and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Let's face it, if it were easy, then we would already be doing it. So many of us have big dreams and big goals, yet we stop ourselves right before we see progress. This is called self-sabotage, my friends, and we often don't even know that we're doing it. This is exactly why I created the What's Preventing Your Dream Life six-question quiz. If you're struggling with who am I meant to be or how do I get there, then this five-minute quiz will bring you clarity and help change your outlook on life regardless of the circumstances. I designed this quiz with you in mind so that you could quickly assess where you are currently and gain the exact tool for your personal breakthrough. Take the first step to your dream life now with this free tool. Visit denisewalsh.com slash quiz. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. In today's interview, I am interviewing an expert in a subject that we don't always spend time talking about. Like I love to say, we can live a dream 10 life in all seven areas, family, finances, friendship, health, hobbies, business, and giving back. And we need to be intentional about those areas to help them become a 10. And so if you have a financial goal right now, if you're ready to get out of debt, if you want to increase your income, if you want to get prepared for retirement, then this episode is for you. And wherever you are in your scope of life, I feel like we all can always learn in this area. And our next guest is a best-selling author of Sound Retirement Planning, the host of Sound Retirement Radio, which is a popular podcast, and as well as the inventor of retirementbudgetcalculator.com, which is a software service geared to help people create an inflation-adjusted spending plan for retirement. At a young age, he has always had an interest in personal finance and honestly was a bit obsessive about money. At 12, he would collect dollars from his lawn mowing business and bring the money home and wash it in the sink and blow dry it. (laughs) He was very excited about this. And he's taken that passion and turned it into a business and now is able to spread his information and excitement all across the world. So big Dreamcast, welcome to Jason Parker. Denise, thank you so much for having me as a guest. Man, I'm excited to be here. What do you think about me washing those dollars in the sink? Well, what I love is that you could take your passion and you like you owned it and then you started yeah. a business with it. So tell me a little bit about how your business all started. Okay, but before I do, the uh, well, I was so disappointed. I'd get those crusty dollars, I'd bring them home, I'd wash them in the sink, I'd blow dry them, they were perfect. And I remember I brought them to the bank to deposit them. And then I went to make a withdrawal a couple of weeks later and they didn't give me back my beautifully <laughs> blow dried, washed, bills. They handed me back stuff. And I was like, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't my money. I thought they were, I thought they were going to give me my money. Back. That is so funny. You, you took it very seriously from a very early age. 
Yeah. So how cool is it? My dad used to say, if you get to do something you love, you never work a day in your life. And I didn't realize until I was in my mid-20s that you could have a career in personal finance. So I'm a financial advisor. We're a registered investment advisory firm. We operate as fiduciaries for the people that we serve. So we have a lot of responsibility. My niche has been helping people retire. Uh, So we work with a lot of people just getting ready to retire and those already in retirement. And uh, yeah, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey. I'm excited. You shared with me that you've there's a lot of folks uh, that listen to your show that are getting started in business and in life. And I, I just am excited to be able to pass some of that forward so that maybe uh, some of my journey will help them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I would say a lot of us that are listening to the Dreamcast are wanting to find that career that also connects with our calling. And we have this passion inside and some of us are able to use that passion with what we're currently doing and some of us aren't and we have a choice to make, you know, do we stay where we don't want to be because it's comfortable or do we listen to ourselves, listen to that inner passion and follow the joy. And it sounds like you were able to follow the joy, but you didn't know that you could until you were 25. What were you doing prior to that? Oh, I was I was working in the political arena, helping raising uh, raising funds for political organizations, mostly nonprofit organizations, and I was just so completely burned out with politics at that point. And before that, I had worked in banking. But yeah, I was just, I was ready to make a change. And when I get a chance to speak uh, to kids, oftentimes I'll share with them, there's three steps to figuring out what you want to do next. And the way that this came about for me was I called my dad and I said, dad, I have got to, I've got to make a career change. I am so burnt out with this whole political discussion that I've been having with folks. And so he had a friend who was working in Florida for GE Capital. And he said, Jason, why don't you call this friend of mine and uh, talk to him, see what he's doing, because he's very successful and he seems to love what he's doing. So I called that friend. That friend referred me to a guy in Seattle that was the regional manager. The regional manager referred me to a district manager, a gentleman named Dean Shenham. And uh, Dean ended up becoming my mentor. But one of the things I've learned is that relationships are so important and being able to connect the dots to the relationships. So one of the things I found is that my dad is a huge connector for me. If I had never made that call to my dad, he wouldn't have connected me to the first person in Florida. And and so, but uh, Dean ended up becoming one of the most influential people in my life. So that mentorship, finding somebody that is further down the path. I was in my mid twenties. Dean was in his mid sixties at the time. And one of the things I've learned about successful people is that they're just willing to share. You know, they're not trying to keep things secret. And that was the opportunity I had with Dean. Dean passed away about two years ago, but definitely the most influential relationship in my life. So I have a question about mentors because I I agree. When you're doing something new, or maybe you even are interested in seeing if it is something you'd be interested in, you know, I think sometimes it's good to interview and ask a lot of questions to even see what does a day in the life look like for this particular career or this particular idea to see if it is something that you want to connect with. What did Dean do as a mentor that really helped you grow and take a step into your passionate business? This woman that we serve, she, she says, find somebody who has what you want, do what they do, and you'll get what they've got. And uh, But here's what Dean did that drove me crazy. Because as a young man in my 20s, I wanted answers. And so I would go to Dean, and I would say, hey, Dean, how does this work? Or what should I do? And Dean would never give me the answer. He would just ask me another question. And as much as I didn't like that at the time, what I realized Dean was really doing for me as a mentor was teaching me how to think, teaching me to be an independent thinker. 
And that was probably the most valuable thing that Dean did. The other thing that Dean did was he was an encourager. So sometimes I felt like the whole world was falling apart and uh, there would be bad news about this, that, or the other thing. And Dean had a great sense of humor. He always had a joke and he would always encourage me. And he used to joke, he used to call me King Parker. That was the nickname they gave me because he said, you know, Jason, you come to me and you ask me these questions and then you end up doing whatever you want to do anyways. So uh, we'll just call you the king. And so he, but he had a great sense of humor. He was always encouraging and he asked me a ton of questions. And so I, uh, I value that. You know, I, I love that you said that because I think so many times we want people to tell us what to do. I mean, honestly, especially when you're kind of stepping into the unknown, you're like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. But tell me. And so what happens then is we become reliant on the other person to always tell us what to do and what good mentors do. And I actually used to be a clinical psychologist. So I learned that skill too, (laughs) was to reflect back. And really what you're doing is a good mentor, a good therapist or a good coach, right? Is teaching you how to think and how to trust yourself. So then even when they're not there, you can kind of have that dialogue and learn how to take those steps every step. Yeah, that's so fun. Oh, and it's such a gift. It's such a gift. At this point now, I am trying to pay that forward. I'm, I'm trying to bring people onto our company that I can mentor. And so, and I'm passionate about that because I find, you know, one relationship can change your life. And so when you find that one person that's willing to pour their heart into you, I um, mean, you know, that's really, that really is a wonderful gift. And it's a neat thing to be able to receive and also to pass forward. So. Yeah, I love it. And it reminds us as mentors or coaches or leaders that we don't need to have all the answers. Our job is to teach our people how to have the answers. And so asking good questions is a great way to do that. All right. So you found your first mentor. I'm, I'm guessing he was in personal finance. Yeah, he had a ton of experience. He had owned his own broker dealer um, years earlier, and uh, he at the time was working with, with GE Financial. And I remember when I met him, I met him at Red Robin for over a hamburger. And he came in, he was wearing this really nice uh, coat, and he kind of had a turtleneck on, and he had a bald head. And at the time, I didn't have faith in my life. And so I had been raised in a Christian family. But in my early 20s, I decided I didn't want to have anything to do with God. And so I'm sitting in this initial interview with Dean. And he says to me, you know, Jason, I found that people that do best in this business believe in uh, higher power. And I was so offended by that, that I almost left the interview. Because initially, I took on the title of atheist. And then I called myself an agnostic. And fortunately for me, the Lord found me and like the story of the prodigal son came running back when I turned to him. But yeah, I'm so glad that I didn't let that word of wisdom, that seed that Dean planted in my life at that moment, I'm glad that I didn't let that turn me off and and have me head for the hills because it was just a change my life. Wow. Tell me why he said that. Why do successful people have faith? You know, that's a great question. And one of the things you said earlier, uh, you were talking about what holds you back from doing what you want to do. And just recently, I was reading in uh, Matthew, the parable of the talents or the bags of gold. And just to recap that story real quickly, the master comes, he gives to three different people, one five bags, one two bags, and one bag of gold. And when he comes back years later, the one that had five turned it into 10, the one that had two turned it into four. And the one that had one said that he was afraid. And so he buried that bag of gold. So when the master came back, he only returned what had originally been given to him. And I've read that story so many times. That story has influenced the purpose statement that we have for our firm. But I had never read 
that phrase that he, he said, I was afraid. And so I buried that bag of gold. And I think, man, fear really is a tool of the enemy. It keeps us from really having an influence, from doing our best work, from stepping out and doing the things that are really most important. And so we've got to understand that fear is something that I would actually encourage people to experience more of. I experience a ton of fear every day, but knowing that we have a, a loving God that um, wants the best for us, that makes all the difference in my life. So, Ooh, that's a beautiful story. And when you have faith, you can decipher when it's fear and when it's knowing that there's the other side, which is, which is love, and stepping into mm-hmm. that. Uh, I feel like so many times we have to choose which voice to listen to. Do we listen to the voice of fear and bury our talent because it may be more comfortable? Or do we step out and really grow and thrive even if we're a bit scared along the way? Can I tell you a story about fear, how that impacted me recently? So when my book first came out, it had a different title and it had my picture on the front of the book. And I, I did that because I saw like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman and uh, Jane Bryant Quinn and Robert Kiyosaki, they all had their picture on the front of the book. So I, fig- I figured, oh, I got to have my picture. But the Lord, when he made me, made me with these great big ears. So I really this goofy looking uh, cover on the front of the book. And so the first book, when it first came out, didn't sell at all. There was no, nobody purchased it. And so about a year after the book had been out, it was a Friday afternoon, and I received a letter from some attorneys, and it was a cease and desist. And basically what they were saying to me was that I had violated their trademark, the the title of my first book. I didn't research trademarks before I published the book and found out that somebody owned those words, the title of my book. And they they said, you can't use it. So they're telling me I had to basically unpublish my book and all this work that we had done around it with the website and the podcast. And uh, it was just crushing. Um, it was really one of the worst experiences I've had in my life. And that was on a Friday afternoon. And I wasn't sure. I mean, I was afraid that they were going to sue me and they were going to take everything that we had worked for because this was a huge company that uh, owned those words. And that weekend, it took me a couple of days, but I finally picked up my Bible. And every once in a while, I like to open it up and just kind of see where it lands and just start reading randomly. And this just happened to uh, bring me to the story of David and Goliath. And there was a story about David when he was a young boy working as a shepherd out in the fields. And it said, there was just this one line and it said, when David was a young boy taking care of the sheep, he had to confront a bear and a lion. And when I was going through this turmoil, I, and I read that for the first time, I thought, oh, how do you get somebody ready for the biggest fight of their life when you're going to go before a giant? How do you get them prepared to, to be strong and have confidence that you can take on that challenge? And of course, God was putting this bear and this lion before David as, as a young boy in the field. And to me, that was like a light bulb moment. I thought, oh, maybe this isn't something that you know, this letter from the attorneys isn't designed to tear me down. Maybe it's an obstacle to help me get to the next level. So it was after I read that and then I read, you know, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I was like, okay, I can do this, Lord. So I republished the book. I gave it a new cover and I added 40% new content. I changed the content to match the planning process that we take people through. And it was then that the book ended up becoming a number one bestseller on Amazon. But had I never had that fear, had I never had that challenge, I never would have taken the book and 
redid it. And so as I look back, that was one of the worst moments of my life, turned into one of the greatest victories of my life. And so I just want to encourage people out there today, if they're going through a challenge and they're not sure why they're being faced with it, maybe it's an opportunity to make them stronger, to get them ready for something bigger. That's, that's what I found. And so I try to take that perspective now when the challenges and the fear I'm being confronted with, it's like, okay, I, this is a growing opportunity for me. How can I get better? Ooh, that's a beautiful story. And I'm thinking of times in my life where I felt like a wall was put in front of my path and it ended up making me stronger and better once you get through yes. it. And I love, I mean, I'm sure people are thinking of hard things, hard situations that they've experienced that ended up refining them and they came out better on the other side. Now, when you're going through it, it you don't see it. <laughs> there is yeah. another side. There is hope. There is another side. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Keep going. Keep pushing forward. And congratulations on number one on Amazon. This is Sound Retirement Planning. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, check it out. And okay, so you were with Dean and I know he's taught you several things. And, and there's a formula that you learned that helped you get started in this business and grow your company? Yes. Well, so the first thing is when I talk to the kids, number one, you've got to find an opportunity. Number two, you need to find a mentor. And then number three is faith. So uh, when Dean planted that seed, but it took me a little while to actually find the faith component. And so when I found faith, that's when everything really started to click for me. But uh, since then, about, well, maybe close to 15 years ago, I started a mastermind with a group of guys. And so every Friday morning, we get together at, from 7.30 to 8.30, and we talk about business, and we talk about life and family and faith and just kind of where life is going. And that has been huge for me as well. So having a mentor and then having a mastermind group, a group of people to share best ideas with and people to kind of reel you in or encourage you forward, uh, that's been really valuable. And so every year, this mastermind group in January, we get together and we go out to a resort, local resort, and we spend the entire day together. And we just uh, set out our goals and our plans for the new year. And so we, we've turned that into a formula. And as I've listened to some of your podcasts, Denise, I know that you have these journals. And man, I'll tell you, journaling has been huge for me in terms of gratitude and just being uh, grateful for everything that I've been given. So, but yeah, there is a formula and it starts uh, every year we start new and we just go through this exercise to design a really wonderful year. And I'm happy to go through that exercise with you. I don't know if your listeners want all of that information, but it's, uh, it is a fun exercise to go through. Absolutely. I'm all about doing it. You know, it's, it's one thing to hear it and learn it. There's a, a third thing of actually putting pen to paper and going through the material yourself. And you guys, that's when you see true transformation. And yes. before we jump into your exercise, I'd love to hear, how did you find your mastermind? Because there may be people out there that are going, I want to do life with like-minded people. How do I find yeah. it? <laughs> life is all about relationships. So, you know, the most important thing I've learned is that relationships are everything. And so it was actually, uh, my son was in T-ball, Dusty Bottoms. It wasn't even T-ball yet. You know, the kids run the wrong way around the bases. And one of the other dads, he owned a woodworking business. He made uh, custom bunk beds. And he and I started talking and he said, uh, you know, why don't we meet down at the coffee shop Friday morning? And then shortly after that, we had another friend who owned a wood flooring business. And so he started showing up. And now we've got a guy that's a pharmacist and a guy that owns a real estate brokerage and a guy that owns a window shop and a guy that's a chief technology officer. But so it was really just 
uh, being in relationship with people and asking questions and saying, hey, let's meet for coffee. Coffee, boy, coffee can really be a life changer, I guess. That's how I justify It's a connector, isn't it? Everybody says yes to coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love it. It's not hard. It's not hard. It really is just keeping your eyes and your heart open and then asking. And one person leads to another that leads to another. And now years later, you have a group of guys that are doing life together and planning and, and being strategic and holding each other accountable in all areas of life. So I'd love to hear what is the exercise you do at the beginning of each year? Okay. So we've, we've formalized it. It's a formal process because there's a group of men. And this year, I think we had eight of us that got together. The first thing we want to do is we want to share collective wisdom. So we ask everybody in the group to take five minutes and share the most important thing that they learned from this past year. And so that's really, really powerful when you've got smart, hardworking, intelligent, motivated people, and they share just the best bit of wisdom. Um, That's really my favorite time. We want to limit it to five minutes because we want them to be precise in their thinking. And then after they share, then we, as a group, we just kind of can take some time to ask questions. So that's, that's the first part of the meeting. The next exercise, there's a quote by Steve Jobs. He said, remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid thinking you have something to lose. And I heard when Steve Jobs was laying on his deathbed, his family was around him. The last thing that he said was, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And it really made me think, if I had that opportunity to have my family around me at the very end, what would be the last thing I wanted to say? And then I heard one of our clients tell a story. Her husband had dementia, and she had him at home, and he was sitting at the kitchen table. She was making breakfast one morning, and she had her back to him, and he said, I'm going home. And she said, oh, honey, you are home. And he said, I'm going home. And she turned around and he died there at the kitchen table. And he was a believer and she knew he was going to heaven. And so that really inspired me. So I started thinking to myself, instead of imagining like Stephen Covey talks about being at your funeral, instead of going to the funeral, what would be the last thing you would want to say? And I think about what Jesus said. You know, Jesus came with a purpose. He said at the very, the last breath, he says, it is finished. He had a job to do. And so the exercise we did this year was just all of us to ask the question, if you were so fortunate that you could have those words to share with your family and friends, what would you say? And it was really interesting, both positives and negatives and a little bit emotional. You know, these are tough, strong guys that nobody wants to share emotion, but that's a hard question to answer. So that's the second part is to begin with the end in mind and take you to that moment of um, just sharing your last words. That's step two. The next one, Denise, is gratitude. And the way that we like to do this before we start planning the new year, we I like to get out our, we all get out our cell phones and we just start writing down, we, we open up our uh, photo app and we just start writing down everything that we appreciate about the year before and kind of the highlights. And it is so much, it's it, after you go through that, you're like, man, how can life get any better? I mean, I had pictures of being at basketball tournaments and dance competitions and my wife and I going for walks and going on amazing vacations and just really writing down those memories, those moments. That's a very powerful part of the exercise. So before we design the new year, we just want to try to incorporate more of what we learned the previous year so that we can amplify that. We can have create more of those memories. 
The next one is to build a purpose statement for our life. And so the purpose statement is by asking very intentional questions. And I won't go through all the questions now, but we've really turned it into a formula where you answer these questions and then you use the, the uh, questions to, to fill in the blanks for the purpose statement. So I have a purpose statement for my life and for my business. And I find that when you're really intentional, very clear about what's most important to you every day, then it just helps you to live your best life. Then after we create our purpose statement, then we prioritize. So we go through the different areas of life. So lifestyle, mental, relationships, spiritual, physical, family, financial, and career. We only get 30 seconds to write down one thing for each one of those areas. And then afterwards, we have to go through and circle our top three. So it's a really, again, clarifying exercise because you can't have too many goals. I found if I have more than three goals, I don't remember what they are. So you can only have three. You have to prioritize. And then the next one is, and this is one that I learned from Dean. Uh, you know, my mentor taught me to become a good finder. And the way that I do this is similar to what you teach, but I have a journal for the three most important people in my life, which is my wife, my son, and my daughter. And every morning when I come into the office, I write down just one thing that I remember that I love about them from the day before. And I'll tell you what, when you are thinking about all of the good things that you appreciate about people, you just live this really wealthy, rich life. So that's the next piece. And then ultimately, and again, this was a game changer for me, but having faith, learning to trust in God, that God has the best for you. That was really a game changer. So that's the, that's the final piece of the puzzle is the faith piece. I love it. I love it. I wrote down the list and it, yes, it absolutely aligns with everything that we do. And I think it's so powerful to not only do it yourself, but to get together with other people so you can verbalize it, so you can process it a bit more, so you can brainstorm ideas. And sometimes even hearing their goals and their ideas can spark some more in yours. I do have a life purpose uh, podcast that I'll link down below because these questions for you to to go through and process and really kind of get your life purpose. To, and then all of the decisions you make for that year are kind of lined up with this purpose. Is this taking me towards my purpose or away from my purpose? And it can really help make life make decisions uh, a little bit yes. easier. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll share with you the purpose statement that I built for our firm. And everybody that I hire uh, has to memorize the purpose statement. But it says, we are faithful stewards who educate and inspire retirees to take action, to achieve clarity, confidence, and freedom. So that when we stand before God, we are greeted with well done, good and faithful servant, Matthew 25, 21. So when we have a purpose statement to work from every morning, if there's any question about, well, do we do this or do we do that? We weigh it to the purpose statement. And it's, if it's out of line with that, then we know that we're moving in the wrong direction. And so having a purpose statement, like you say, I'm so glad that you're teaching people that exercise. The work you're doing is so important. And bringing people from around the country to share their wisdom, this is really, really awesome. Thank you for your podcast. Yeah, that's so fun. I love your purpose statement. And you, I mean, you had it memorized. And that means that when you're confronted with a question, you know the answer immediately because it will or will not align with your purpose. Yes. So I want to ask some business questions now because okay. I'm okay. always interested in learning about finance, feeling like I didn't really learn about finance. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm like, all right, I have to take 100% responsibility in this area of my life. And I need to learn. So a couple questions. The first one I have is, what is the worst mistake that people can personally make with money or business? 
The number one mistake that I see people making all the time, especially for people that are high income earners, and we work with a lot of people that are doctors and engineers and pilots, because their income's high, they don't really have to understand their spending. And it, this can be a bad word for some people, but it is having a budget. It's A budget is simply you tell your money where to go at the beginning of the month instead of getting to the end of the month and wondering where all of your money went. And that is really the number one mistake. And it's the hardest thing for people getting ready to transition into retirement. The question everybody has is, have we saved enough? And they're basing it all on rates of return and sequence of returns. But if you don't understand the spending piece, if you really don't know how much you spend, it's impossible to be able to answer the question of, have you saved enough? So I, uh, that's one of the reasons I built some software called retirementbudgetcalculator.com to really help people understand their spending. But it's a tool that I use uh, every day, every month for my family's budget. And so it's just a, t it's a way to get in there and tell your money where to go at the beginning of the month so that you're not wondering where your money went at the end of the month. Okay. Okay. So yes, guys, budget doesn't have to be scary. It really is just being intentional and knowing, not sticking our head in the sand and pretending like, la, 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 we don't, <laughs> but being well, clear. Well, I, I sat down with a couple once and they were retired and they had really good income, about $100,000 a year of income coming in, but they came in because they felt like they didn't have enough. And so I asked the question, I said, you guys, when you hear the word budget, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And one of them said to me, they said, Jason, that means cutting back. And the other person said, well, that's being prudent. And it's interesting how two people can hear a word and, and it means different things to them. And I, I really don't think it has to mean cutting back. It just means being intentional about how you're going to spend your money, what really brings you joy. And today there's so much money that's just slipping through, through the cracks on all these subscription fees and uh, people really don't realize how much they're spending in life. And so if we just get intentional about our spending, life gets a lot better. Yeah. And especially when you just have swipe all the time or, you know, your card and you sign up for something, you don't realize that it's a $5 app every month or those things do add up when you don't even know that it's happening. Yeah. Hey, so for your listeners too, if they decide to try the retirement budget calculator, that's not a free tool. It, right now, the way that we have it priced is a one-time fee. But if they want to get a discount, instead of paying the $54 one-time fee, if they use the coupon code podcast when they sign up, it'll only be $27. Ooh. So we'll give them 50% off. Awesome. Thank you. I definitely am going to yes. check it out because I know that we really can live a dream 10 life in all areas, but we have to take 100% responsibility to do so. And that's something that I really want to learn more about. So why did you create the retirement budget calendar? And tell us a bit about how it works. Retirement budget calculator. Yeah. So again, it's um, I wanted to create a tool. A lot of the tools out there today, they require you to connect your bank account to them. And so you, there's a lot of privacy being lost. And this tool is really not designed that way. This is, I actually designed it around the good old fashioned envelope budgeting method. So you put in all of your expenses. And then what I found is it's really impractical to think you're going to pay all of your, your expenses on a budget because some of them, like a mortgage, I'm just going to have that electronically paid every month. But things like dining out or groceries or spending cash or gas money, some of those things are better allocated to envelopes. And for years, my wife and I did that. We did cash and envelopes. And then I found a tool called FamZoo that allows you to have prepaid debit cards and you can have a prepaid debit card for each category of your life. And so what I do now is instead of having 
um, paper envelopes. What I have are prepaid debit cards where I can transfer money to a spending cash, to a gas money, to dining out, to groceries. But I use the retirement budget calculator to coordinate all that. So I tell, you know, I use the retirement budget calculator to specify. A couple other things. Retirement's unique in that you need to understand inflation as part of a spending plan in retirement. And you have to also recognize that some expenses aren't going to last forever. So a lot of times when people tell me they're going to retire, they plan on spending a lot of money on travel, like the first 10 years of retirement from 65 to 75, or from 55 to 65, whatever that retirement date is. And so we needed a tool that would be able to model that into the future. So if you wanted to have travel expenses the first 10 or 15 years of retirement, and then show that expense going away, that we would have that flexibility. So I've got a uh, webinar that I did on the retirement budget calculator. So at soundretirementplanning.com, people can watch a free webinar. They don't have to put in their email address or anything to watch it. It's just right there available to them. So if they want to see what it does and how it works before they sign up for it, I'd, I'd encourage them to do that. Super cool. Yeah. All the links to the sound retirement planning and then the retirement budget calculator will be in the show notes below. So we talked about the worst mistake that people can make. What would you say is one financial lesson that can help most people become wealthy? Well, you have to control how much income you're going to have if you really want to become wealthy. Now, there's plenty of people that have just a regular job that become wealthy. And the reason that they do is because they learn to live below their means. So one of my one of the favorite guys I like listening to or reading his blogs is uh, Mr. Money Mustache. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, but there's a community out there called FIRE, Financially Independent Retired Early. And that FIRE community is really, they have really taken time to understand their spending and many times it's people that are in high income positions and they don't let lifestyle increase every time their income goes up. And that is such a temptation. And that's really uh, one of the hardest things. So I think if you control your spending, keep your lifestyle in check, that's really going to help most people achieve wealth and uh, to be able to retire early. Yeah. It really is more of an exercise in spending than it is accumulation. When it comes to investing, keep your fees low, be broadly diversified. Don't try to be a stock picker. Turn off the TV and turn off all the bad news and life will be better for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and it sounds like too, just really being intentional, knowing where your money is going, knowing where it's coming in from and knowing you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing, not getting caught up in chasing the Joneses and comparison with other people that are you know, getting raises or whatever. It's really not about appearances or lifestyle at all. It really is about peace of mind and yes. and enjoying the journey. So you said... HGTV is a bit of a problem for folks. I know we all love it. My wife loves watching it. But what it does is it just, it can really create a lot of discontent because you're watching these million dollar homes and feeling like, man, I need to have that. And so what happens is people end up spending way too much money on their house and their stuff just because they're trying to keep up with what they're seeing on TV. And so it's really, really challenging in the world that we live in today to not get pulled into that or into that environment. Yeah, especially with social media and before and after pictures. And, and you, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to find joy, peace and contentment. So how do you recommend doing that if it's not through the, you know, lifestyle means? 
Yeah. The number one is you've got to guard your mind from what goes into it. And years ago, we turned off cable television in our home. And that has made a huge difference because that is poison. My sister, when she was in college, she was in a communications broadcast for the local college. And they had a saying that whatever bleeds, leads. And so it's really, they do take the worst of the worst and they put that right on the front page. And then you've got these guys with these really serious voices and red bars flashing across the screens, poison for your mind. I tell people CBS stands for consistently bad stuff or Fox stands for frequently obscene and X-rated. And CNN is the constantly negative network. I mean, I'm just going to throw them all under the bus. So regardless of your political leanings, uh, it is, you, you got to keep the bad stuff out. And then the, the second part is, of that is you got to renew your mind. You've got to have a source that is going to give you positives to build your brain back up. And for me, what I found is the Bible is a great tool for that. It's just, uh, it's, it's very encouraging. It's very life-giving. And that's why it's been around for thousands of years, because it's, if you look at a lot of these self-help books like Stephen Covey, um, and the seven habits of highly effective people. A lot of these principles come straight out of the Bible. People just repackage them, put their own label on it, and call it something different. But if you if you really research, you'll find most of that stuff is that's where it comes from. Keep the bad stuff out. Focus on the good. And then the last one is, and we talked about this a minute ago, which just that journal uh, of being a good finder. Find the most important people in your life. Write down the things that they're doing well. You know, we all have way too many critics. Everybody wants to find what's wrong with other people or what they're not doing right. And I tell you, we have a choice to make. And when we flip that switch and we say, I'm going to be a good finder instead of looking for what people aren't doing well, life is just better. And it's better for everybody. You know, you're happier and then you have more appreciation for the people in your life. So I have a question about your children. You've mentioned you have a son and a daughter and being somebody Mm -hmm. who loves money and loves to teach people about money. I have to imagine you're also teaching your children. So what are some things you do to teach your children to be good stewards of what they've been given or create a, a healthy money mindset? Let me say, you said uh, love money. I really don't want to love money. What I want to love is people. And money money is just a tool. And and uh, so I want to be careful there. Now, I am a bit obsessive about it. And so it's been a perfect for my for my personality that I get to work in this finance field. But, you know, what we try to do with our kids is model to them what is most important. You know, it's one thing to tell your kids something. It's another thing for them to see it. And so I really believe that our faith journey is our legacy. I mean, at the end of the day, I could leave my kids money, but that's not necessarily going to make their life any better. What I will really want to do is help them understand, you know, how I've learned these different principles and concepts. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to write my book. So sometimes I see these one-star reviews on Amazon. People don't like my book because I talk about my faith or they don't like it because I tell stories, but they don't realize that I'm not writing those for them. I mean, if, if I kick off tomorrow, I want my kids to know, what did I learn? How did I learn it? I think that's really the greatest legacy is out here in the Pacific Northwest, we have a place called the Ho Rainforest. And it's this beautiful rainforest out on the coast. And the first time I visited the Ho Rainforest, as you're walking through, you see these trees that have fallen. And it's really interesting. When the trees fall, what happens is these uh, new little baby trees start to grow up out of the fallen tree. And the reason that you can identify them hundreds of years later is because the trees have this root system 
that's see-through. I mean, the, the, it looks like there had been a rock underneath and the, the rock had been removed. And so you've got this tree that's growing with all this space underneath. Well, that's called, that's called a nurse log. And the nurse log just, I think, really is how the Lord helps us understand the legacy that we are all going to leave. Some people say, I don't want to leave a legacy, but we're going to leave one one way or the other. It's either going to be good or bad. And the nurse log, I think, really illustrates that. It says, this tree falls and most people would say it's dead, but as those little saplings, what it does is it gives them a competitive advantage. They're up off the forest floor. They're getting that fallen tree acts as a sponge to hold water. It helps them have more sunlight. And so in some ways you look at that fallen log and you think there's a lot of life in it, even after it's supposedly dead, just in in terms of the nutrients and and what it's giving to the next generation. So that's really what I try to do with our kids is just model for them the way that we would hope that they will live. And I think that's the best thing we can all do. Mm, That's beautiful. Model generosity, uh, model not focusing on, you know, upsailing the boat just because your neighbor did, modeling contentment and joy with goals and purpose. And I feel like they always pick up what we're laying down, even if we're not saying it directly. So I have a feeling your kids are absolutely picking up on the love that you are overflowing. My kids are better than me. They're stronger than me. They're smarter than me. I'm excited for the next generation life. There's one of my favorite quotes is, despite our greatest efforts, things will continue to get better. And I see that in my kids and I know that life is going to be really great for them. So That's awesome. Now you said that you are mentoring people now, knowing how important mentors were to you. Tell me a little bit about how you are giving back in that way. I wanted to hire another person to bring into our firm to work in the same capacity that I work now. And the way that this worked out is so awesome. So I knew that I wanted to hire somebody, had been praying about it. I showed, I had met a gentleman three years ago and he was working as a financial advisor and he really made an impact on me just because he was such a good communicator and just intentional, sincere, uh, smart. And I had lost track of him. Well, one day I showed up at a men's Bible study that I attend and there he was. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? I've been looking to bring another advisor onto our firm and here's this guy right at uh, the men's Bible study. So afterwards, I didn't say anything to him. He didn't say anything to me, but he reached out to the pastor and asked if we could go to lunch. And so we went to lunch and I just said, hey, look, there are no accidents, there are no mistakes. I think that we're sitting here for a reason and I'd like to offer you the opportunity to come to work uh, with, with me. And he said no, which I thought, okay, well, maybe it's not meant to be. But the next day, he's also a believer and he had been reading his Bible and he said, Jason, you know, I read something that really convicted me. I think we need to get together. And so we did. And it's just been a perfect, uh, really great match. And it's great for a number of reasons. He, uh, he was looking for somebody that could really teach him how to do this business well. Um, and I was looking for somebody that could help take some of the, the load off of my shoulders because there's 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day in our country. That's my area of expertise. And no matter how many people we hire, I just can't, I can't keep up with, um, with that. So that's the opportunity I have right now. My job, I understand as a mentor, is to help him achieve his goals and to ask a lot of questions and not give him answers. So thanks to my friend Dean for teaching that to me. One other thing I want to say there about Dean, you know, Dean was a good finder. And I'll never forget one time I was coming home from us. We were coming home from a speaking engagement. And Dean was driving and we get a lot of rain out here in the Pacific Northwest. And it, the rain was just falling. And uh, I was focused on that rain hitting the windshield. And I'll never forget Dean said, look how beautiful those trees are. Look how green they are. 
And I thought, wow, how is it that we can both be looking out the same window and see two different things? And so Dean passed away two years ago, and I knew, I mean, it was just a life-changing, that one relationship really changed everything for me. But I knew that I wanted to speak, and I thought to myself, you know, that's really what he taught me was to be a good finder. And so at the end of the day, I think if you can answer these two questions, um, you'll really have a lot, a greater sense of uh, where you're heading in life. And the two questions are, who did you love and how did they know they were loved? Because really, that's what Dean taught me. He taught me what it meant to be a friend and, and to pour his life into me. So I, I appreciated that. Mm, that's really special. Well, I can tell that you are a, a really connected and intentional person. And because of that, your business and your team is thriving. So one last question is, what do you do every day that you couldn't live without that helps you stay connected and positive? Yeah, I have my morning routine, which is I love to jog. That's uh, that's something I always tell people. I don't run because I have to. I run because I get to. And so I, uh, I'm out there just about every morning. Some mornings, as I'm in my mid-40s now, I find my knees and my hips just aren't as uh, grateful as they once were. So I have to take some rest days here and there. But I would, I would run every day. The other thing is I really love listening to good podcasts when I'm out running, something that's life-affirming and positive. Sometimes it's learning because there's so much to know in my profession, but I, I enjoy that. So if I have a cup of coffee in the morning, go for a jog with something positive, feeding my brain, that is really, really good. And then uh, trying to spend more time in the word and being intentional about uh, my men's Bible study that I'm in with. I'm mean, just so much wisdom in that room. I'm really grateful for that too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, guys, check out Sound Retirement Planning on Amazon, as well as the Retirement Budget Calculator. All of the links will be down below. Jason, is there anything that you would love to leave our listeners with? I just want to encourage people when it comes to their, their money, it's all really, especially retirement is really all about spending. If they're going to try the retirementbudgetcalculator.com, remember to use the coupon code podcast. That's for a limited time. So that's not going to be available for everybody. So people are listening to this show years in the future. It may not be there, but uh, for people that are listening right now, I'd encourage them if they're thinking about retirement to use that tool. Awesome. Thank you so much. We so appreciate your wisdom and your passion today. It really flows through. Denise, awesome. This is, this is great. Thank you for the work you're doing. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.